0: Hi, my name is Thomas Johnson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Get Up and Get Fit Wellness Coaching Concierge. I'm also a C-suite advisor and investor, and you're listening to the How May I Serve You podcast, where I'm constantly on the quest to surround myself with the best coaches while learning how to better serve our executive clientele by asking them, how may I serve you? Today's show is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Get Up and Get Fit will be providing students with textbooks and school supplies in Cambodia, in honor of our guests today, as well as our philanthropic mission to impact at least 50,000 people per year. And today's guest is Lisa D. Foster. Lisa, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you?
0: I'm doing phenomenal. Thanks for asking. So Lisa D. Foster is a business coach with over a decade of leadership experience whose mission is to help managers become better leaders by using emotional intelligence to create the conditions for high performance. In 2005, she founded One Bag at a Time, a first to market reusable grocery bag company. She became a pioneer in the fight against single-use plastic, and her company ranked in the top three bag suppliers in the U.S. to her leadership. Ooh, that's okay. That's, that's amazing right there. The top three bag suppliers in the U.S., okay? So, Lisa, thank you for coming on today's episode of How May I Serve You? First, let's get started by telling us who you are, where you live, right? Within two minutes.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, let me, I'll tell you like my story a little bit. So I started my career as a high school English teacher. Okay. And in 2005, I found reusable bags in Australia on a trip. And I became passionate. Some people think I was obsessed with reusable bags and reducing the waste. When I understood the waste and the impact that single use plastic was having on our environment, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I switched to reusable really fast. And I just thought to myself, if other people knew what I knew, they would switch too. And it, it hit my moral center. Mm. And it became really a moral imperative to start a company, to sell reusable bags and establish this market. People told me not to do it. They said it would never work in the United States, but I I just didn't have a choice. My it kept me up at night.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, So when I started, I was a high school English teacher. I would do cold calling on the um, on the back stairs of the English department building, overlooking the faculty parking lot and talking about reusable bags to grocery stores all across the United States. Mm -hmm. And I hit a classic hockey stick curve. I sold a quarter of a million bags my first year.
2: Whoa. Okay. I
1: sold 2 million bags my second year and I sold 8 million bags my third year. And it was just hang on to your hat. It was like an emergency MBA every single day. Mm, mm, mm. And I built an international supply chain. Um, I built I built a network of customers and managed major accounts across the U.S. And all because I was driven by this passion that we have to do this. We have to go reusable. Mm. And when Americans found out what the waste was, they did. They And most places don't have a bag ban. Most places don't have a tax. Mm-hmm. They just know. The damage that that is doing, and um, and they switched. And I look, I did a lot of things right because I was centered in my moral purpose. I was a, a mission-driven, moral, you know, moral purpose at the center of my business. But I also did a lot of things wrong, and I messed a lot of things up.
0: Well, that's all right, though.
1: But that's that is the journey, right?
0: <laughs>
2: that
1: is the journey but i after 12 years i sold the company and launched as a coach and it really brings in together all the teaching and all the experiences that i had as doing business around the world connecting with people and um and and finding that high performance right what it is what it takes tuning into the people what people need to perform and that emotional intelligence calming down the distractions And really giving people the support and the resources they need to do a great job. And they do.
3: Today's episode is sponsored by Get Up and Get Fit. Being an executive can be very demanding. Your schedule is unpredictable. You have conflicting responsibilities that pull you in multiple directions at once. You travel too much, work late hours, and cross time zones. All things that wreak havoc on your body. This is why having a wellness support team is necessary. Get Up and Get Fit is the wellness concierge support that busy executives, entrepreneurs, and celebs rely on to keep them healthy and fit despite their hectic schedules. A body under prolonged stress is not a healthy body. Time to reduce your stress. Increase your energy, flexibility, strength, and endurance so you can enjoy life instead of just living it. Go to getupandgetfit.com. That's G-E-T-U-P-N-G-E-T-F-I-T dot com and schedule your consultation right now. Get up and get fit. It's a lifestyle.
1: I really believe in all those people, so that's what I do.
0: Okay. So, Lisa, where are you from?
1: Originally, I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. Okay. I am now living um, on Martha's Vineyard, in which is an island off the coast of Massachusetts.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. A a beautiful place. So, um, Lisa, would you say your childhood upbringing um, equipped you with the tools needed to persevere? Because you you mentioned Mm -hmm. you had this moral compass, right? You were passionate, Mm -hmm. but you had naysayers telling you this will not work, right? It's always the naysayers that try to try to shut you down, right? But despite oh, yeah. the naysayers, and sometimes these naysayers are your closest of friends, your family members, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so despite that, you know, you was able to persevere and become successful in your endeavors. So tell me more about your childhood and your upbringing. Were you were you, were you gifted? Were you nourished? And were you nurtured to, to have these talents that equipped you to persevere? Like, I want to know more about your childhood.
1: Um, you know, I would say it doesn't really come from my childhood. Right. And, okay. and actually in my childhood, if, you know, um, the expectations for me were pretty low. And, and I think, you know, partly because there's just, you know, maybe cause I'm female, right. I, I was never really expected to do much. In fact, Uh, I I flunked science in sixth grade. Then I flunked history the next semester and neither of my parents ever said anything to me. And I I always thought, well, I guess grades don't matter. They don't really expect me to succeed. Mm. Um, And and I, I read a lot. You know, I was the reader and I, I, I read everything I could get my hands on. And it actually really helped my SAT scores. And somehow I earned a spot at, at UC Berkeley.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: And I got into UC Berkeley and I thought, you know what? I earned a spot here. Like, maybe I am supposed to be here. And I started to believe in myself.
0: Mm, self-worth.
1: And really, when you just believe and expect, and I really believe that it's expectations, you know, if my even though maybe my family didn't expect anything out of me. And I was the first woman, I was the first mother, like a lot of my, the women in my family had jobs, but when they had kids, they stopped working. Mm-hmm. But me, as soon as I had my kids, I doubled down on my work. Oh, and right. I kept working and I kept teaching. And then I started my own company and still had, I never, you know, I always had work and kids because- that that's the life I wanted. I wanted all of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just started to expect it of myself.
0: Mm, I like that. I like that. Okay. So, um, what would you say to other women that are struggling, right? They are, they're passionate, right? They were once in your shoes. They did not receive the support, um, from family and friends and they want to achieve, they want to achieve, uh, uh, their specific goals, but they're not, they're not being supported. What would you say to these women right now?
1: Listen to your heart. Just if you believe it, if you feel it, if you tune into the fire in your heart and you know what you're capable of, you have to let go of the naysayers. Just don't listen to them. Tune them out. Mm. Even if it's your family, your closest, friend, the people you know who are holding you back, do not let their expectation of you hold you back. Only you can define what you can be. You have to, and if you expect it of yourself, go out and do it. I had people, look, seven years, eight years after I left teaching and I was, doing business across America, doing, you know, managing millions of dollars of cash flow and sending, Mm -hmm. you know, going to China and doing business and whatever, all that stuff. And people would still introduce me as like their kids, you know, 10th grade English teacher (laughs) or their former book club leader or whatever. And I would just smile and laugh, but I wasn't a book club leader. I was, yeah, I had my own business. I was a CEO. Like that's (laughs) what I was. Um, But I did I never let them hold me back, even though they had a hard time letting go of their idea of me. Yeah. I knew who I was. But you, you really have to listen to your heart because your heart is gonna tell you. Mm. Your heart, you know, you know inside, you yes. know what you can do. You know yes, what you can do. Indeed. But you gotta listen to it.
0: That that's that's still that's Still, small voice, right? That's right there. That's that's telling you to do it, even though there's so much noise surrounding you. You have to continue to push forward, and that's that's the grid. That's the that's the persistence. And this is why I tell people all the time that motivation is, you know, it's temporary, right? It's external. But what is long lasting? What drives you and push you pushes you forward is inspiration. You were inspired. Oh you yeah, were inspired, Lisa. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what you do, right. I do that too. I go to people when I'm coaching, I help them tap into what inspires them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What is it that's important about what you do? What are the connections and the connections between people being really people centered, listening to people, being empathetic, understanding what they are in their shoes. You know, that's why when I was doing business in China, I, I know how people feel about, you know, China and, and, and the rivalry that we have this sort of global rivalry, but frankly, the people in China are lovely people and they want what we want. They want, you know, they want good work. Mm -hmm. They want a safe community. They want education for their kids. They want, um, A good meal to eat at the end of the day and to share those important moments, you know, birthdays and weddings and births and those important things with their family and their friends. They want what we want. Right. They really, really do. And when you really just listen to them and, you know, I I would always tell my supplier, even when we were bidding on those big contracts, right, sometimes we would bid on contracts, a half a million bags or a quarter of a million bags at one go. Right. This is like one sale, like one sale. You're going to do a bunch of stuff. I would say, make sure you price it so that everybody, everybody, the person packing them, the person who makes the boxes, who makes the thread, everybody in your supply chain needs to get a living wage. Mm. I I, I don't want, if it's not good for any worker, it's not good for me. Mm, So Make sure you've got enough room in there to pay your people because let's get people working. And we had a quality product. I would sell, I was selling to Ace Hardware because they said, you know, I was the only bag that would go to the edge of the parking lot and back with two gallons of paint in it. <laughs> and that was their wow,
0: test. That's a strong, strong bag.
1: <laughs> I, it was like for 99 cents, it was a good bag. It was a good mm-hmm. quality bag. And I was always, quality is number one. People are number one. Like we're going to treat our people well. They're going to give us a great product and we're going to perform for our customers.
0: And you that's, see, I like that.
1: Yes, at least
0: your mindset, right? Your mindset of putting human capital, putting people first, right? Um, and not profit. People, of course, if you put people first, the profit's gonna come because you are you care for these people. This is now I'm seeing the connection of your, your emotional intelligence, how you apply how you are applying it to what you do, right? Um, next we're gonna dive into your, your coaching practice, but I'm I'm seeing how your mind works. I'm seeing the gears operating right now, and that's amazing because you are my type of people. You are the type of people I like to surround myself with, right? Honest. You right. have integrity.
1: Yeah, and and you're you a hundred percent right. What you just said. The money, it'll it's a byproduct. That that is a don't worry. Don't don't chase. I always say, if I nine out of ten startups fail, if you're chasing money, you're going to be the nine. Because business really isn't about money. Business is about serving people and bringing them value.
0: Exactly, value first, value central. Give
1: them value, <laughs> take care of your people, give them a great, whatever it is that you're giving, a service, a product, give them the best you can be, mm. right? And and the money, you know, and look, you're gonna, you know, it was grocery bags. It wasn't like, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't invent, you know, some, I didn't invent Facebook, right? or amazon right but um but i did really well for grocery bags i did about as well as you can but it wasn't about the money it was about like i saved billions of bags from being thrown into our environment and all the toxicity and we we spend 40 billion dollars a year in cleanup costs for those bags they are not free let me tell you you are paying for mm-hmm. them in your plat in your taxes
0: yes indeed and, and don't, even, don't even get started on the microplastic you know i learned about microplastic a few years ago and it just Oh my goodness! It baffled me. It threw me off. I was like, "What? This is what is in my drinking water? I'm I'm breathing this stuff in on a regular basis." And and as, as a person that's as a waters coach that's constantly working towards better myself, taking care of myself because I want to live to be hundred ten plus hundred and ten plus, right? Yeah. Um, and these are
1: and still working out, still with with, with still with a six pack at one hundred.
0: You're still able <laughs> passion, Right. That's the goal right there. I want to look good. and cool. I could be the best version of myself. So I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Right. I'm glad you you decided to follow your passion and and not just talk about it, but be about it. Do right? it. Exactly. And I, I love your passion as well, because you sound like me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. I think we're getting along right here. Like That's Yeah. Indeed.
3: Yeah. So yeah.
0: So let's yeah. dive into um, your coaching practice. Right. Mm-hmm. From being so invested in your company, right? Um, basically changing the world because you are—you are, you did change the world. You did—you you mm-hmm. did play your, your part in changing the world. Why did you get into coaching?
1: I felt like I had taken my company as far as I could take it, so I sold it. I—I I just had that feeling again. It's about listening to yourself, and I felt like. Okay, I am done. This is as much as I can do with this, and um, and I sold it. And I thought, you know, I still have so much to give, so much to share okay. with people. And I'll tell you the key lesson that I really learned. So I had some people who worked for me in my office in Los Angeles when I was working there, um, and after a while, they kind of stagnated. Mm. They didn't grow the way I thought they were going to grow, and my whole my whole team in china was doing going great guns so and we continued to expand and to experiment and to learn and to grow and be better and my my logistics team you know i was always pushing them to be a little better and a little more efficient and a little faster and a little cheaper and a little like just serve our people
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um and the people in my office i kind of realized at the end you know i had one person leave and i thought to myself i had a really dark moment where i said Oh my gosh, was I a bad boss? And I was really felt that. Like, why why did she leave? And um and it took me a while to really figure this out. After I sold my company and I started to look at, you know, some coaching and some other stuff, I realized I was asking the wrong question, right? Mm. Being, a, I, being a bad boss, that's the wrong question, right? I wasn't leading my people, I was leading my team in China. I was leading my logistics team. Mm -hmm. I was leading this international supply chain, but I was a boss to the people inside my, and I would tell them. So here's the difference. A boss is someone who sees themselves as an authority figure Mm
2: -hmm. and spends
1: most of the time telling people what to do. A leader sees himself as a source of inspiration, a visionary. And a leader spends most of their time inspiring people to be their best and giving them the resources to do it. And I realized a boss is never going to perform like a leader. A leader is going to outperform a boss every time. Mm -hmm. So asking myself, am I a good boss? I shouldn't have been their boss at all. I should have been leading them. And, and that was a hard one lesson to learn. And this is something that I work with, with my clients a lot. It's to stop thinking about yourself as the authority. Don't go and tell them what to do. If they have to do it, they're going to do the minimum if they're inspired to do it, if you support them as they grow and help them learn, and even if they don't do it right, you say, well, what did you learn? And how could you do it right next time? Like, keep going, keep trying.
0: Get them Evolve.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And helping that's leadership, right? So there's a big difference between being a boss and being a leader. And I really work with my clients a lot on being great leaders.
0: Well stated. Well stated, Lisa. That's excellent, right there. So who do you coach? Who's your um clientele?
1: I am um I'm reaching out. So I have a book coming out.
0: Mm, okay.
1: I have a book coming out. I wrote a book about all these experiences and how I learned all those. Um, and you know, my background is in environmental, so I'm reaching out to middle managers in um in environmental related services and industries, biotech, okay. solar, energy, those kind of industries, um, people where people are really making a difference. And I, I really like working with the middle managers who are in charge of like the people where the, you know, where the rubber meets the road, the people on the front line. And that middle manager level is really where um high performance transforms the whole organization. And yeah. if I, you know, the people that I coach who are in middle management, when they can calm things down below them in that emotional intelligence, really be leaders and not bosses, really stop threatening and start supporting, start celebrating, start encouraging, start teaching and letting them learn, um, companies turn around. And there's like the the performance that happens when you create the conditions um, for high performance, um, you get high performance. You get everybody starts to calm down and do their job and they want to do their job. So they go above and beyond and um, it's beautiful to see.
0: You know, I love what you just mentioned in terms of changing the environment, changing the conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just about work with individual. You have to change the environment. For instance, as a wellness, as a waters coach, right? If a person has a, a certain, if the clients have a certain vice, and if they have that specific food item in the fridge, in the freezer, in the cabinet, it's going to be hard for them to walk away from it because it's is it's accessible, right? They have mm-hmm. not changed the environment. You have to change the environment to make it easier for you, right? Mm-hmm. And you're doing that. You're changing the conditions so you could it, it could really make it more um, more of a opportunity for high performance to occur because you can't expect to you can't expect change if you're repeating the same thing over and over and over again. That's, That's the, correct. Of, of insanity, you repeat the same thing, expecting a different outcome. <laughs> right. <laughs> right,
1: right, right. No, you're a hundred percent right. You're hundred percent right. So when I work with emotional intelligence, and I explain it like this, right, your emotion, so. Emotional intelligence is not about being emotional. (laughs) Um, Emotional intelligence is your emotions are this highly evolved system that we have for assessing threats and responding to them and seeking safety. So whether we think about it or not, our emotions are constantly scanning our surroundings, our environment for threats and, you know think about it if you're walking in the jungle and there's a tiger behind if you can feel the tiger behind the bush before you see him right and maybe it's something little you didn't even really hear it but there was a breath or a twig or the birds stopped singing something like that right these little clues that were like intention yeah, but there's something and you're afraid and you stop you are a little bit farther away and a little bit more likely to survive. And if you're the guy behind him and you feel the guy in front of you is afraid, whoa, you're really more like, cause the tiger's going to probably eat the other guy. So we can feel each other's emotions. Yes, we can. We all can. And we all have that emotional ability and our emotions are scanning. So what are the threats in the office place? There's no tiger behind the other desk, right? But lack of respect. Not being listened to, being yelled at, being told what to do, demeaning. Any of these things set off a fight, flight, or freeze response. And look at all the ways we fight in an office. Backstabbing, undermining. uh, Say it again. Gossiping gossiping, right? Like all of the, like we are highly evolved in office fighting. We're really good at it. And flight too, absenteeism, showing up late, leaving early, leaving in the middle, you know, just tuning out that freeze response where people are just not even responding to you at all, just keeping their mouth shut. Those people are not bringing their whole self to their job, right? They're not... They're focused on fight, flight, or freeze. They are responding to a threat in their office, usually some kind of lack of respect. And they're not doing their job. They're defending themselves. How could you do your job if you have a tiger behind the desk? You yeah. can't do it. You're just like you're survival. You're in survival mode. So when you start really calming things down, supporting your team, get making sure everybody's getting along. Don't let people cut you off. Listen, 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 empathize, understand your people. Suddenly, all of that other stuff falls away. And now you can get down to work.
0: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Lisa, I have a question. Um, I know we are all capable of of emotional intelligence, but some people are more in tune with themselves, right? They're more in tune with that style of of themselves. Like for, for instance, myself personally, I'm an empath. So I'm able to read body language. I'm able to feel people's energy, um, more right at a higher level, but some people, they're just not as in tune. How do you get to those people? How, how do you, um, break it down for them?
1: You know, first of all, they have to want to, Okay. And um they have to understand what emotions is and what they're doing because actually if you are not in tune with your emotions ironically you are more likely to be ruled by them cuz you're not watching out for them. So they are hijacking you all the time.
0: You're
2: reacting And they
1: to... are shutting people out and you are probably getting some negative responses from other people and you're like well, I, I don't know. You know, somebody might say, oh, you're unapproachable. That's like a nice way to say it. Um, but what whatever it is, right, you are impacting other people. And if you want to improve your impact, you're going to have to tune into how are you feeling? Because the first rule of emotional intelligence is manage your emotions first. You have to stop the gossiping. You have to stop the fighting. You have to stop undermining. You have to start respecting people, listening to them, understanding them, empathizing with them, supporting them in their in their issues, and then that's going to start to come back to you in really big ways. Then you start tuning into who they are, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to tune into yourself first. It, it's a matter of attention. Once you understand it, actually most people start to get better. It's an innate ability. We all have it. We are all descended from people who survived the jungle. All of us. So we have that ability. We just have to tune into it and make use of our given gifts.
0: Yeah, and um you mentioned self. Start off with yourself, right? I'm um, oh, saying self control equals true power, right? Be able to control yourself, be able to control your mindset, and not be reactive. That's power in itself.
1: Oh, I say that all the time. Like, <laughs> in the middle of the storm, the one person who is like calm, mm-hmm. assessing what's going on, that's going to be the first person who's going to lead you out of that storm.
0: Exactly.
2: Right?
1: Like, so here's the other thing. Like, have you ever done this, all right? You're driving, what city are you in? Excuse me? What city are you in? Well, I'm
0: currently in New Jersey.
1: Okay, so have you ever done that thing when you're driving and somebody makes a really bad turn? Like eventually somebody's gonna make a bad turn, right? And then somebody else is gonna honk at them because they almost hit them, like it was mm-hmm. bad, right? And then the guy who almost got hit starts yelling. And then the guy who who made the bad turn gets defensive. And so he goes, <laughs> what? you know? And they start screaming. And you got two people screaming in the middle, everybody's honking and it's a mess. But if the person who makes a bad turn, someone honks and screams, because they're mad, they just, they got threatened. This is a car. We're not Mm -hmm. fooling around. Um, And the person who made the bad thing goes, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? They're like, yeah, actually, I'm fine. Nobody got hurt. Okay. All right. It all calms down. Everybody gets to safety and the traffic goes again, right? So being calm, calm yourself first. Don't get defensive, right? If you make a bad thing, just say, oh, oops. Yeah. I I didn't mean to, I didn't mean it. Let me fix it. Let me fi- let me help fix it. What, what do I need to do to fix it?
0: Self-accountability is key.
1: Self-accountability. Yeah.
0: So Lisa, like, I mean, I love your story. I, mean, I could continue this conversation for hours. <laughs> I just love your energy. Um, but um i want to dive into storytelling time right i want you to give me a 2 to 3 minute story success story where you utilize your um your eq method right to help one of your clients to overcome an obstacle
1: you know the story that i wanted to tell is kind of a little bit not related to that i kind of told the story of like my 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 people who okay. were stagnated um mm-hmm. Can I tell another story that's like my favorite story?
0: Go for it. Go for it.
1: All right. This is um, this is one of my favorite entrepreneurship stories, and I find it so inspirational. And a friend of mine told me this story about her brother in Australia, Peter Alexander, who is, as she called him, the pajama king of <laughs> of, of Australia. And she said... You know, when Peter got out of school, he had a really hard time getting a job, like a really, really hard time. McDonald's turned him down. Oh, wow. And his mom and his sister just kept saying, you can do it. We believe in you. Like, you're great. Like, just you can find what you need to do. And he walks into a clothing store one day and asks for a job. And the manager thought, a gay guy. You know what? This could work. So she hires him. And he's a pretty good salesman. After a couple of months, he looks at the mannequin. He goes, Can I can I style that mannequin? She goes, Oh yeah, sure. So he put something on and they sold out of that outfit in a day. Wow. And whatever he put on there, it would just sell out. So pretty soon she had him doing the store windows. And she gets a call a couple of months later from the corporate headquarters saying, What is going on? Your sales are through the roof. And to her credit, and this is a really, really good manager. The manager said, it's this guy I hired. He's doing our windows and they're genius. And they pulled him into corporate and he started doing windows company wide all across Australia. And he did this for a few years. They moved him into product design and development because he was a style, just a natural born stylist. He had this style sense and he's still living at home. And his mother one night is just complaining because she doesn't like her nightgowns. It was all those old lady flannel nightgown kind of things. And she's like, I know I am an old lady. She goes, I don't want to look like one. Why can't somebody make more modern pajamas, you know? Well, the next day, Peter goes to his corporate office and goes, we can make these pajama sets for women, like more modern. And he designed it. And they're like, okay, go for it. And he starts designing it. He gets the fabric. He gets everything. Things are going... And then suddenly the company says, ah, it's probably not going to work. And they cancel the order. And Peter does not accept this. Mm. Peter quits, calls the vendor and says, I'll buy it. Just make them, I'll buy it. So my friend Kim remembers when they took all these pajamas into her mother's house. (laughs) And there's like boxes and little corridors between the boxes. So you could get from the kitchen to the bedroom, you know, and the living room. And, um, And the mom and the sister just saying, keep going, keep going. We believe in you. And so he got some models to model these pajamas. And he put an ad in the paper in in the Melbourne um, newspaper. And the phone starts ringing off the hook. And the mom and the sister and he start taking orders on yellow pads. Oh, wow. (laughs) No, No joke. They were not prepared. They sold them all out. He ordered more. He moved out of his mother's house. And became a premier pajama brand in australia and he still is and it, it's just i love this story because it is about listening to yourself going for it knowing yes there's risk but if you believe in it somebody else is going to believe in it if you love it other people are going to love it like just just do it you don't have to go to school you don't have to have an mba you don't have to have a college. You, you don't have to have any of that. You just have to have that fire and that belief, and like just think, you know what? This is a good idea. I'm gonna do it.
0: Yes, indeed. That, that's an amazing story right there. And you're right. You don't really need any type of high accolades or or form of education to pursue your goal. L- look at, come on, look at um Henry Ford. I think he had like a third or fourth grade education level.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, Steve Jobs dropped out of college.
0: Exactly.
1: A college dropout.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have yeah,
1: better things to do, but
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a, uh, you know, you are right. You know, you have to follow your your passion, and especially if you tap into something you're good at and something that pulls you right, something you you feel so passionate about, you have to pursue it. You have to pursue it because we we all have. I mean, it's crazy because we all have some type of talent, but oftentimes. Because of the fear of the unknown, we tend to stagnate or even prevent ourselves from going on to the other side. Right? Then by the time we know it, we're 85 years old living in regret.
1: Yeah, we don't want to see that, right? Nah,
0: we don't want to see that. Listen,
1: listen <laughs> to your heart, go for it, go for it. You know, even McDonald's might turn you down, but they don't see who you are.
0: They don't see right? who you, are. you
1: got you gotta believe in. Who you are yourself? Develop your own talent. It's not about school. It's not about grades. It's about going out and finding who you are, what you're good at, and just double down. Those things that get you up out of you know every day, even if it's pajamas. Like, get up out of day and make the best best pajamas ever.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, Lisa, um, what are you currently working on at this at this moment? Do you have any? Because you mentioned you have a, a book, right, a new book. So, talk to us about that.
1: I'm really excited. I have a book that's coming out. I found a publisher last fall. I wrote it over the winter of COVID, you know, because I had so many amazing experiences becoming an entrepreneur. I really, you know, went from English teacher to I I just jumped in with two feet and I went to China. um, Found one of my best, best, best friends is my supplier in China. I love her. We, she's like, our connection is really, really deep. So I had just, um, incredible experiences. I wrote it all down during the winter of COVID. I found a publisher. It's coming out. It's called Bag Lady.
0: Bag Lady. Bag Lady. <laughs>
1: it's, um, and the subtitle is How I Started a Business for a Greener World and Changed the Way America Shops. And That's it really cool. is about, you know, that heart centered and just figuring things out and figuring out how to think like an entrepreneur. And how to think like a successful brand and um and and i i end it with a list of eight principles they're not really lessons they're just things that i really feel believely are principles that you have to tune into and hang on to that helped me beat the odds you know nine out of ten of of startups fail and i think i really did beat the odds because i was really people-centered mm-hmm. i was really morally centered and connected and i really never took my eye off those prizes. Just focus on your people, focus on your mission. And, um, and I've got a whole bunch of other things to say in there too. So um, all all the lessons I learned, you know, you can have in, you know, I, I, I earned them hard, earned them, you know, with hard time getting up every day and figuring it out and making the mistakes. But, um, you know, you can learn them just by getting the book.
0: There you go. This is why I love books, Hands behind me. <laughs>
1: right?
0: right. You, you, you could get past learning curve just by reading a book on a specific subject, right? Yes. So, Lisa, if someone were to inquire about your services or just want to connect with you, where can they find you?
1: They can find me at my website, lisadfoster.com. You have to put the D in there because there's so many Lisa Fosters out there. <laughs> so, lisadfostercoach.com is my website. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Lisa D. Foster Coach. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Lisa D. Foster. So find me there.
0: Awesome. So, Lisa, last question of the day.
1: All right, Thomas.
0: May I serve you? Say it again. How may I serve you?
1: You know, Thomas, you already have. You are connecting me to your heart and your audience and the people that you draw to you. And I am looking for my audience. You know, that's, that's what I'm looking for is to connect to audiences that resonate with, you know, the, the message that I have. Um, so you've already done it.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for, for coming on. Thank you for bringing your energy, your passion, because you literally fed me, right? Like I said, I'm an empath and your drive, your energy, and your passion for helping others through being people-centric is what it's about. And like I said, you are the type of people I like to surround myself with, right? I like to surround myself um, by and with. So continue being you. Don't ever change. Continue being the passionate person you are, the passionate coach you are, and you will continue to help others to elevate.
1: Thank you, Thomas. And you too. I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you yes. so much for the opportunity.
0: Awesome. And for those of you guys who are listening and watching this right now, feel free to share this episode with somebody else that will potentially benefit, not potentially, someone else that will benefit because this this conversation dropped a lot of gems. All right, Lisa dropped a lot of gems today. So make sure to share it, share it, and share it. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Much love. We're out.